Welcome to another episode of the Comfort Monk Podcast. Today we've got Jeremy Radio Smith from the band Thousand uh, Dollar Movie, uh, also of the bands Rainiers and Public Radio, some other uh, classic Charlotte area bands. And um, we we talked a little while ago, and he basically gave me a, a, a rundown of uh, his career, you know, starting out, just going on the road, um, sleeping in parking lots, and uh, how his career has gone since. And uh, his newest band, Thousand Dollar Movie, is a really excellent um, kind of post-rock, atmospheric uh, sort of instrumental band. And uh, they're really excellent. We had them on the, the Comfort Monk um, compilation earlier this year, uh, Pursuance Volume 1. So definitely check that out. Um, and y'all enjoy the conversation with Jeremy. He's a hilarious guy. that appealed to punk rockers so much because same i was like i got a punk rock when i was 12 changed my life i got a bass that year and uh it was all like skate punk 70s punk whatever but then when i started hearing the cinematic atmospheric the post-punk instrumental stuff it just like stopped me in my tracks like this is so awesome have you ever heard um unwed sailor no i haven't yeah they're in that scene man but very bass driven they're a big influence on they've been a big influence on me since i was a kid um oh, like lots of just cool chords and you know shit like that. They're so cool. One of the things that is like so striking, you know, from the start is these kind of like overdriven bass chords. Um, yeah, and either bass chords or like quick arpeggios of like a full, you know, like three or four strings ringing out at the same time. Yeah, um, man. Which is rad. I love it. I love it. Used Thank like you. that. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> So, I like trying to I like trying to play it like where a bass nerd would say that's not how you're supposed to play that. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's always my sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, man. So what what were the first uh when you were twelve, uh what was the first punk band that just kind of did it for you? Yeah, I heard um I started getting into skateboarding around the same time, like my parents sent me and my brother to this Christian school, I think thinking that, uh, you know, it would be better for us to not be around like troublemakers. But the first day I meet like some skater, it turns <laughs> out the school is where all the kids that got kicked out of high school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or junior high. And so I got to meet all these like weirdo kids and skaters and like, um, and they're borrowing CDs from their cousin and all that shit, you know? And, um, but I was hanging out with one of those kids skating and he had just gotten dookie by green day and i remember just feeling like a truck hit me i'm like this is like we weren't allowed to listen to rock music you know i had to kind of sneak to watch in tv and uh the intro to she off dookie i was like oh that just sounds awesome like what instrument is that and he's like i think that's bass <laughs> and so I'm, like, okay, I'm gonna be a bass player because we we're all gonna start a band you know uh but then like a few weeks later i heard the descendants and the ramones and it like completely blew my mind I'm like you can write a song about anything, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I think that's what punk rock does and still does is, you know, if you go see a stadium show, 
Like I saw Iron Maiden a few years ago and it was incredible, but you don't leave that show thinking I could do that <laughs> because, yeah. you know, but like you listen to coffee mug by the descendants and you're like, oh, I can write a song like that. I mean, you can't, it's there, but you know, <laughs> you can't, but you know, they're just the best at it is what I'm saying. But so it just like, yeah, the descendants really changed my life a hundred percent. Like not only did it make me realize I could play music, but I realized like you can do anything you want with music. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's not, you know, you don't have to like be this genius lyricist and, you know, write all these, like, you know, the nineties was all like these dark, enigmatic lyrics you know mm-hmm. and then you had you know dissonance singing about like farting you know i think they're the first band of micro fart you know on a record <laughs> <laughs> it's so it really like blew my mind man and like the coolest so they're still my favorite band i got like some set lists framed around here oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, i got milo bobblehead right here <laughs> nice yeah i got to catch them on their their last tour uh they actually played in columbia which is yeah, I, I, no, I was so stoked. I went to that one. Hell yeah. Uh, I went to all the Southeast shows I could because like, this could be their last tour. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I was standing in front of the Senate because I got there early and I was on the phone with this um, amp repair guy. We've been playing phone tag for like two weeks and Bill Stevenson walks by. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I finally got the guy on the phone. I can't hang up. I was like, <laughs> and I hang up. I'm like, man, that sucks. And then Milo walks by and I'm like, oh, hey, hey. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we for a while. He was so sweet. Um, you know, I covered up. I was like, I don't want you to see that I have your face tattooed on my arm. <laughs> 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 I'm not a weirdo, I promise. Nice. <laughs> they were so great that night. That was a great show. Yeah, that is incredible how good of a band they are like just in terms of like just playing all those songs like perfectly and it was so energetic and it was so loud and it was so tight it's unbelievable and you know they've got like four or five live albums and so if you're a fan you've heard these songs live a bunch but this tour they sounded almost like maybe the best they've ever sounded Mm -hmm. like how do you keep getting better it's not fair Sorry, I can talk about the descendants for an hour and a half. So, you. <laughs> so uh, you're you're away at private school. Uh, how did you convince your parents to get you a bass? Um, I remember I asked for one, and you know, I remember my mom kind of like laughed about it, and I think she was like, I think she said, "Okay, Eddie Van Halen to me," which is pretty funny because he goes. <laughs> <laughs> but my my dad we weren't a super musical family like in the sense that they played it but he played a little guitar but music was important you know like it was always playing in the house and so i think you know like it was that age where they were like really concerned about us becoming like you know getting into trouble or being dumb teenagers and um i think for them maybe it was like oh this could be a cheap extracurricular activity, you know, buy my bass and start a dumb little band and they can play in the garage. Um, so they got me for Christmas that year. It was probably like, I think it cost like 75 bucks at the pawn shop. It was like a Kramer, you know, nice. I, I, it weighed more than I did for sure. Hell yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was, um, my buddy got a guitar for Christmas that year and we just started writing. I think the first song we wrote was a song called metalhead suck. <laughs> metalheads suck because there's a bunch of bullies in our school that were metalheads and we were gonna <laughs> stick it to them with music you know <laughs> that's awesome yeah. I, 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 I always think, think it's that. funny oh go ahead I, I always think it's funny that 
a lot of times, and this is exactly what happened to me too, you and your friends kind of all agree to like get instruments. Right. And you have yes. to kind of plan it out ahead of time. So you have to be like, totally. okay, you try and get a drum set. You try and find a bass. You try and find a it's guitar. It's probably the hardest. Getting the drum set is probably the hardest to get a parent to agree <laughs> to have that noise, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I don't think uh, – I'm definitely an anomaly that I wanted to play bass. Usually you do paper, rock, scissors, and the loser gets it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just always like I've just been – anytime, you know, skate punk back then, they had such cool bass lines and – Bass intros and we ranted, of course. Yeah, some of that Matt uh, Freeman. Yeah, I mean, kind of so stuff. I think when people were like, "Why did you want to play bass at 12 I'm like, "Have you listened to Outcome the Wolves?" <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it makes you want to play what he's playing. Uh, you, you won't be able to for quite some time, but you can try. <laughs> I, I remember trying yeah. to play Journey to the End of the East Bay on guitar, oh, and I couldn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's been recently for me because I love learning my favorite records. I'm like a practice nerd. And I think recently I can kind of pull off some of those songs and it's like a big accomplishment to me, yeah. <laughs> but I can't do Maxwell murder still. <laughs> yeah. That, that's some of the, like the fastest bass riffing I think I've ever heard. I just open the record up with that and just steamroll you right away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I think the thing about like people not wanting to start bass is when you're playing really basic music, the bass is the easiest instrument to play. True. So if you're playing Ramon songs, the basses can be a worse instrument, a worse musician than the guitar players. But then once you start right. playing more complex music, the bass has all these elements of like muting and stuff like that, that yep. you don't even really have to worry about on a guitar. Cause you can just kind of like, you know, dig in with a pick and that's about, oh. about it. Yeah. I know when people say like, Oh, it's easier. You only get four strings. It's like, well, yeah, for sure. And it's, that's a good bit. I get it. <laughs> but, um, but you can always tell when it's a guitar player playing bass, you know, you can smell them yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you're doing cool stuff. But like, I can, I can, I'm watching your hands. I'll see you. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, that's cool. So, uh, what was the name of that first band that y'all started with the metal? Uh, that was, uh, we were the tidy whiteys. Nice. <laughs> and then a few years later, we got uh, really, really into the Misfits, as mm-hmm. teenagers tend to do. I still love them, but, you know. Um, and uh, so we started a band called The Coffins, and um, it was pretty rad. And it was all just singing about zombies and vampires, you know. <laughs> yeah. Tried really hard to be the Misfits. I went to this, I think it was the first show, like proper show I went to was in Myrtle Beach. And there's this band called The Deadlines playing and they were doing the horror punk thing. And there was like five people there and they like set their instruments on fire and were spitting <laughs> fake blood, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm 14, maybe 15. And just like, Oh my God, <laughs> like this is incredible. There's five people here. They're putting on this kind of show. And you know, it's like vampires from outer space. That <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> was pretty, it was pretty incredible. So most of high school, um, I was in a band called the coffins and I, you know, it was a little harder to record back then and take video, and I'm really glad it doesn't exist <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> but there was a part of me that wish I had. I feel like we probably had a banger or two. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, that was the Teddy Whitey's into the coffins. And then I think by the time that dried up, I finished high school and I moved to Charlotte shortly after that. <laughs> so, so you've been in Charlotte for a little while. What was the... Yeah. What was the punk scene like when y'all when you moved? Um, so I, I moved out 
right when I graduated high school, I moved into a punk house with a bunch of dudes and saved up to move to Charlotte. I'm from Hartsville, South Carolina, originally. Cool. But I would cool. go to Columbia to New Brooklyn like every weekend. Just if it said ska or punk, I was there. It didn't matter if I knew the band or that. Um, and so I really wanted to move to Columbia for that reason. And I had some friends. I knew Ben at that point, you know. Um, but I I met some friends in Hartsville, and up to that point, I was like most people I was dating or hanging with were like really into drugs and like getting into like the scary stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. smoking crack, et cetera. And, um, which is crazy for such a young age looking back, but small towns, it's also not super shocking. You know, your boredom turns into whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, I moved, I moved to Charlotte. I think by the time I was 19, I'd saved up enough and um, getting to go to Tremont and the milestone for the first time, you know, like was so mm-hmm. rad. New Brooklyn was awesome. And it's always got a special place in my heart. But the milestone was like such an awesome little crap hole dive. Have you been there? Yeah. Well, I, yeah uh, like no doors on the bathroom, you know, mm-hmm. like but they got bad brains. Everybody played there. They all spray painted on the wall. Like it was like, you know, me getting to go to like Graceland. I remember the first time I played there too. And it was, oh, yeah, yeah. it was the same feeling. It was like, Oh man. Uh, everybody I love has played the milestone. <laughs> yeah. Like seeing like, you know, bad brains and dead Kennedy spray paint on the wall. I think I, I stood there and stared at it for like 15 minutes. You know? um, but you know, some fat record bands were coming through and like some epitaph bands. And like, so I was just, you know, other than being like wicked poor, I was living my best life. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> if I could afford to go to the show or knew the door guy I could charm my way in. I was there. Um, Nice. Was uh, Andy the door guy at that point? Yeah. He, yep. Yep. Are awesome. <laughs> shortly thereafter, if not by then. I, I feel like it wasn't long after that he was playing, uh, you know, under that moniker more, um, mm-hmm. or at least getting way more traction. Um, and yeah, he was in a few other bands around then that were pretty awesome. Like I just remember seeing him at all the time. <laughs> and mm-hmm. He was always, whatever he's doing was great, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was getting, uh, it was getting good. It was definitely more on the, like, I think like every city in the early two thousands, it was like metalcore town, you know. Yeah, like yeah, there's that, no escaping that, that. Right, that trend had descended, and so I feel like it was ninety nine percent that, but it was still pretty cool. I just like have always, you know, since I got into it in the first place, I've just been like pretty obsessed with music. It's like I don't care if it's just an okay band to me. I want to go to the show. Like, I just love watching bands play. So mm-hmm. I really never got into metalcore, but I would still go to the shows all the time just because it was still a sweaty band playing, you know? Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there was some, there was some pretty, uh, was it Hope's Fall? They were pretty rad and they're out of Charlotte. I remember going to stretch shows at New Brooklyn all the time. And mm-hmm. it was just like, you know, a hundred people over capacity. <laughs> they were great. Though. I, I like to stretch a lot. <laughs> Hell Yeah. Uh, were you able to uh, keep the coffins going at that point or were you, did you start working on some other stuff? Yeah, no, I mean, we were never, I mean, we maybe played a couple shows in like the garage to, you know, or like some little home, homegrown stuff. I don't think I really even knew how to, I don't think we knew how to tune our guitars right. You know, <laughs> so, uh, I think it would be, uh, we were like a, all learning how to be a band, you know, but we mm-hmm. were never any worth a damn, but I, at that point, everybody was kind of moving away or going to school or, um, 
or, you know, uh, finding out uh, how cool, like, <laughs> I don't know, everybody just started like partying like crazy. Or, I don't know. You know, you start to lose <laughs> touch after high school. Um, but my brother was in that band and he was awesome. Um, but he was, uh, you know, I was just so, I'm moving to Charlotte to try to be in a band or try to get on tour. I think at that point, I was just obsessed with the idea of like being in a band on tour. Um, so yeah, we all stayed in touch, especially me and my bro, but it, you know, it was obviously, <laughs> it wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> Other than just being pretty fun, you know, to play hybrid moments, you know? Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the first, uh, the first kind of, uh, you know, band that you were able to to do a little touring and stuff and do kind of more official um, band stuff? Yeah. So shortly after I moved to Charlotte and I started meeting like some like rad guys that actually knew how to be in a band and like I was just saying yes to anything, just playing as much as I could. And um, I had some friends doing a U.S. tour and. I was like, can I just go be your merch guy? <laughs> Cause I was living like, you know, I was couch surfing at the time and living pretty poor. And I'm like, Oh man, like if you're poor on tour, that's like awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm doing the same thing here, but I can, you know, be out like I hadn't been out of Carolina at that point really, you know? Um, and so they were going to California and back over a month and I went and sold merch and it was so brutal. And looking back, it was awesome still, you know, and I was like a little golden retriever. I was so excited um, to see the desert for the first time in California and the Pacific. Uh, but we're in a 15 passenger with leather seats and no AC. <laughs> you know, like the, the drummer for the band booked the tour. And like, you know, he, he did okay, all things considered, that he had never booked the tour before. But I mean, at one point we played LA and had to drive 25 hours straight to play Dallas, you know, yeah. driving and you're just losing your mind and you're hungry and i feel like we we're for that whole drive we we're just all in our underwear because it was so hot <laughs> <laughs> um but i got back from that tour and a month later i went out with this artist john mark mcmillan um was a friend of mine and it was his first tour and i played bass on that one so i was home for like maybe two weeks and then i went to california and back again for like a month and a half but we went through like Colorado that time. So <laughs> within like, you know, a three month span, I'd like circled the country <laughs> essentially. And it was awesome. And I was addicted after that. Like I knew I was going to love it. Cause I think I re- I still romanticize it. I just love touring so much. Um, but it was like, you wake up in a city and maybe you've never been there or maybe you haven't been to this part of town. And all you have to do that day is worry about what you got to do that day. It's either a show day or you're off and there's, you got to find some food and somewhere to sleep. Maybe, <laughs> you know, like we were sleeping on like, in, our, we slept in Houston, just literally on the ground in this parking lot. Cause it was so hot in the van. <laughs> it was more comfortable just to sleep in this like advanced auto zone or whatever parking lot. <laughs> Damn. And I was like, this is awesome, man. We're sleeping in a parking lot in Texas. <laughs> it's a young man's game Jordan, like that like for sure <laughs> um yeah. yeah so that was like i was not or maybe i was 20 i think by that point um and so yeah for, first tour is around 20 and then i started a band wrapped that tour and it called public radio and that was most of my 20s was that band we hit it really hard and it was it was rad high highs and low lows <laughs> <laughs> yeah as it goes <laughs> yeah i, I imagine 
you know, doing doing that double countrywide tour thing so quickly, you probably would have either immediately said, fuck this, or immediately said, okay, yeah, this works for me. (laughs) Totally. And that's the thing, man. Like, I I think touring, like, it weeds people out pretty quick where, you, yeah, you either love it or hate it, or if you're lucky enough to start touring and there's money coming in, like, if, you know, that's your situation. I've met a lot of cats that don't really like it, but they make good money on tours. So they keep doing it. Those are my least favorite. <laughs> I'm like, you guys don't get, you know, you, you haven't had a dumpster dive for Dunkin' Donuts, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. in, uh, Alabama <laughs> because you're starting. And you started touring on a bus and that's awesome. I'm happy for you. Uh, but when you complain about what's in catering, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to slap you. Uh, and, but yeah, you're right. Those kind of tours, you either decide real quick, you love or hate this band and you love or hate touring in general because it, it weeds them out in a really awesome way. <laughs> Hell yeah. So what, what sort of thing uh, was y'all's aim with uh, public radio? So we were kind of, Mark Mathis was the singer songwriter um, and he had been doing solo stuff for a long time and I, um, around Charlotte. Um, I tell people he was kind of like, uh, I mean, every city's got one, just like this guy that's just way too talented. His songs are way too good, you know? And even if he's only playing for 10, 15 people. And so I was a huge fan of him. And, um, and yeah, we just hit it off and started jamming some and put a little band together. And so at first we were just playing his stuff, which was a little more like alt country, Pedro the Lion, um, you know, loved Wilco and Tom Petty. And so we toured just his most recent record for a year or two doing that kind of stuff more, but still just calling it public radio. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we started, you know, like he wanted it to be a separate thing and let's try to write some stuff. And so we started doing kind of like, kind of like postal service mixed with Tom Petty and it kind of rocked a little heavy too, you know, kind of mm-hmm. like early two thousands. We, we got a really bad review from, I think pitchfork or vice. And it said it sounded like MySpace. <laughs> so that kind of just lets you know you know <laughs> um so we we toured really hard and um but we started doing the major label showcase thing and um we had a guy who was kind of managing us and he was we you know we showcased for like interscope and capital and all those cats and uh being the little punk rocker guy you know like I was super stoked to be there because I'm just, you know, I just want to play. This is cool. I've never done, this is a new thing. Let's try it. Maybe we'll make money. Uh, you know, maybe we'll be on MTV. Mm-hmm. I've done the other side. I love it. So if not, I'll go back to it. <laughs> um, it didn't really work out. We got some, you know, it was very eye opening how, but also not surprising how sketchy the whole music industry is. And everybody's got to learn that eventually. And that's when I was kind of learning it. And you were talking to these cats before the showcases, I got some really great stories out of it. So it was mm-hmm. kind of worth it. But <laughs> like we, um, we had some friends that were doing a record out there. And so we landed and went by the studio to like, I'll come by where Jim Henson studio in Hollywood, uh, where they did the, we are the world video, you know, <laughs> we're like, Oh man, that's awesome. So we got to come hang out. And, um, Randy Jackson was producing their single, the American Idol guy, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and so 
<laughs> we were kind of just like they they took a break and we were hanging out and he had his assistant bake us some cookies and you know because that's what you do and, <laughs> and, <laughs> um and you know there was a cage in the corner we're like what's that and like well this is the studio that did the we are the world video and Michael Jackson said he would only do it if his uh, if his monkey could make eye contact with him at all times. So I did, <laughs> and so that was Michael Michael Jackson's monkey cage, <laughs> and they just left it because that's a cool story. You know? <laughs> but Randy Jackson uh, said something that kind of like made me not really care how it went because <laughs> he was like, "Man, you guys excited about the showcase?" And we're like, "Yeah," and you know, I'm like 25. You know, he's like, "What are you wearing tomorrow?" But I was just wearing like a band shirt and jeans, you know, and well, like we didn't have a vibe like that, you know. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I don't, I'm probably just gonna wear this. And he got real serious and said, "What you wear tomorrow is ten times more important than how you sound." And I was just like died inside. <laughs> I was like, "Well, okay, well, I don't know if I care." <laughs> then, yeah. but he was right. Unfortunately, like I, that, it bummed me out because I knew he was right. And so that really, uh, <laughs> that was a really interesting trip. And we went out a few more times and um, the the guy who was kind of managing us, he was working with Randy Jackson and, you know, Randy Jackson played bass in Journey for a little bit, right? And so the manager cat saw um, Steve Perry walking down the street in Hollywood, the singer of Journey. <laughs> and he just started, he used that as an icebreaker, like, hey, my manager's Randy Jackson. He played with you, blah, blah, blah. And, um, uh, he was on the way to meet us for a drink. We just landed for another thing. And he's like, I'm going to have a drink with this band I'm working with. You should come. And Steve Perry said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I guess he had nothing to do. Cause he wrote, don't stop believing. And, you know, <laughs> he's just living his best life. And, um, this was in 2008 and it was the night they were going to announce who won the election. If it was uh, McCain or Obama and we're in downtown Hollywood at this bar and uh, um, I guess it, they did the concession speech for McCain. Or I, th- I think it was him and Don't Stop Believing started playing. <laughs> and the bar is packed. And Steve Ferry stands up and like bangs on the table with like both fists and said, I told him they couldn't play my song. <laughs> Everybody in the bar realizes the guy who wrote Don't Stop Believing is there. <laughs> and it was just pretty, it was a pretty wild night. You know, just that, you know, we left shortly after. But we're like, yeah, we're doing the showcase tomorrow, man. You should come out. And we gave him the address. And he's like, I'm going to be there. And we're like, okay, (laughs) you know, sure. (laughs) So we're about to go out and do the thing for the five guys with clipboards. And you play a set and, you know, have to pretend like it's a show. It really sucks. Yeah, I was going to ask, what exactly are, are the mechanics of a showcase like that? Yeah, you go out and they want you to play like you're playing for 500 people. And... It's like, at worst, it's like two or three like schmucks with clipboards. And if they like a song, they might be like, play that one again. And then you got to play it again like you're playing it for the first time because they want the, you know. All the excitement and the energy. Right. (laughs) They want to see if they got something you can sell or they can sell. And, you know, I get it. uh, But typically it's pretty awkward. And we did one or two where they told everyone they can invite family and friends. And it felt a little more like a little show, and that was cool. But for this one, <laughs> we were backstage, and we put on Don't Stop Believing just to get amped up because of how <laughs> ludicrous it was, you know? Yeah. And he kicks in the door. Steve Ferry kicks in the door. <laughs> of the room. 
and says, turn that shit off. And we're like, mind blown. But uh, Bunny Trail, it blessed me because I'm like, there was a bunch of rooms backstage. It's like, how many doors did he kick in before he found us? (laughs) (laughs) But he proceeded to give us the greatest pep talk of all time because it started with, when I wrote Don't Stop Believing. (laughs) And I guess he checked out our MySpace, you know, or... And it was like, you guys are like got some really positive lyrics and I'm I'm all about it and I just wanted to come support you. <laughs> uh, so it was worth doing all the the major label BS, like just for that experience. <laughs> Cause that's my best story. So it's all anything I say after that is downhill, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess you take any advice he would give you if he starts yes. the sentence with when I was <laughs> take your pants off and play in your underwear. I'd be like, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> just a small town girl living in a lonely world. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we did that whole thing for a while. And then um, we, I think we had some offers, but it was all pretty awful. Like you're just in debt forever. And, you know, we had some friends that were signing similar contracts and they were just getting shelved immediately. And your band's just over. You can't play anymore. Mm-hmm. Cause they're trying to sue you, you know, it's so messed. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Like everybody I talk to. <laughs> Cause like, I'm such a, you know, purist to the end of I just love music so much. So when people are like, tell me how a dress is more important, I just like kind of shut down a little bit. <laughs> but again, you know, it's happy for the experience, but we got back and we're kind of like, well, let's just keep doing our thing. And we, um, ended up doing an EP with deep Elm records. Um, you know, we're like seminal emo label, put out Apple C cast and like really mm-hmm. Jimmy, you know, diary comps, you know, which I grew up on. And that was really cool. Like we did some, we did some little runs with other bands on the label. And, um, for me, that was like the coolest. Cause I'm like, you grew up on punk rock. You're like into the indie label model, you know, mm-hmm. and like the camaraderie with the bands and like seeing no effects and rancid play together. You know, it's like, I love that so much. Um, and then it started to kind of, um, that band started just to kind of fizzle out. Like the main two cats in the band were married and they were starting to split and it was, you know, we started doing stuff without her, but I think it was just kind of like, and just never felt the same to like the singer. And, you know, I, I get it. It's like, Oh, you wrote these songs about her. You don't want to sing them. You know, like I get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there was a lot more to it than that, but it just started kind of like, we had that great unit for a while. Once you start changing the chemistry, you know, uh, I think everybody just wanted to do other stuff, you know? Um, but so that was probably right before I hit 30, I'm 36 now, but right before maybe I was like 28 is when that started to like fizzle up. So it was a good eight years of my life dedicated to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it was, you know, but it was cool. It's like, we learned how to book tours and I printed the merch and like, I learned how to really be in a band and the good parts and the bad parts. And, how to stand up for yourself, you know, against a sketchy promoter or a musician in a bad mood, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like those are, all, you got to learn those things eventually. And I was, I was really grateful to do it with like some cool guys and got some cool stories out of it. <laughs> what was the, the sketchiest promoter that you had to deal with? If oh, you man. can think of one. There, there's so many where you get off stage and they just left. and i mean i'm old enough to where the first tours i did we didn't have smartphones we were like 
using maps, like proper maps, you know, mm-hmm. and like printing out MapQuest and had them in a little binder to get from this city to this city every day. And you couldn't deviate, you know, yeah. <laughs> we could lost. We didn't even have a GPS, you know? And, um, so yeah, I think one of my favorite, I think this counts as sketchy is we did this. It was like the second year of public radio. We did this tour, like a U.S. tour. And we were like, we thought it'd be cool just to like, oh, we'll bring tents and we'll like camp a bunch. That'll be like, we don't have to worry about, you know, hotels and blah. Or, <laughs> and that, obviously it was a six week tour. So that got old pretty quick <laughs> once you hit the desert, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but we were in San Francisco and um, we had this promoter. It was like, I got you guys an afternoon, an afternoon show on the campus at Berkeley. And I was so stoked, you know, growing up on, Operation Ivy and like the queers and all those bands and like, Oh, we're going to be in Berkeley. That's where Gilman street is and lookout records. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, I know that's the, the college is different. I didn't understand, <laughs> but we, but still, you know, ballpark. Um, so we went to play and we set up and he's got a permit for us. Cause you know, you got to have a permit and the whole time we're like, Are you sure this is okay. We're like literally set up in the middle of like where people are walking around going to class <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, yeah, I got a permit. It's gonna be awesome, guys. Like, it's like super gorilla style and blah blah. blah. And right before we get started, he's like, oh no, I'm like what? Well, you know, you don't ever want to hear anyone say that on the road, but especially not the He's like, oh, I thought the permit started at three, but it ends at three. <laughs> <laughs> and it was three on the dot and we just we're set up we're ready to go we're like are you kidding me dude and so we're like well, let's just play anyway and maybe we can just flash the permit and the you know the coppers won't check it out we got about 45 seconds into a song <laughs> and security was all over us and we got kicked off <laughs> damn and he was, you know, he was probably like 19. He's like, oh, sorry, guys. I just wanted to throw a good show for y'all. And I'm like, oh, I guess we got the rest of the day off. <laughs> like, let's go to Amoeba Records. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that kind of thing happened a lot <laughs> in different amalgamations. I like, <coughs> happening a good bit at, like, local, too. Like, Tremont had a bunch of different managers and promoters over the years. But I remember when we started to kind of kill it, you know, we could – get like two, 300 kids out to Tremont, like at our best probably. And we're playing Amos's a bunch around then too. Um, and I remember going back to settle up at Tremont one time and he, there was some other touring band playing and, um, but like he was after us. And unfortunately I hate that it happened. Everybody left after we played, you know, you always feel bad. You, you mm-hmm. know, people don't, that, but they did. It was literally by the time they hit the stage, it was just the band watching him like 200 kids left. Um, and, uh, so we go to settle up after and he gives me $11 and like, Hey man, like, uh, you know, what's, what's going on? (laughs) Like, obviously I hate how it went down, but obviously that crowd came for us and you jacked up the ticket price, you know, without asking us. And, uh, this is like one ticket, you know, that you're paying me for. Mm -hmm. Oh, we had a guarantee with the touring band. You know, that's just industry standard. Like local bands don't get a guarantee. That's just how the industry works, man. And I was like, bro, like you got black spray painted walls. Like he told me, like, you know, he's like, well, if I pay more than $11, it's coming out of my pocket. And I'm like, well, that's fine. <laughs> like, I can't walk back out of here with $11. <laughs> and 
so that sort of thing like was happening in Charlotte for a little while there too, but mostly people venues are really cool here. Milestone always treated you like you were rock stars. It was the best. You know, like they were the not everybody that's ever owned that place that I worked with was so kind to the bands. Um so yeah, a lot of <laughs> you meet you meet a lot of those guys along the way, unfortunately, though, that it's like, you know you got more than eleven dollars for me, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> had some of those experiences too. Oh uh, yeah. What what was your what's your band? Or uh, a, a band I was oh, in for a long time was called the Chiltons. Okay. Um and we didn't really play outside of, you know, Columbia, Charlotte, Atlanta kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. But we did my my best uh like scummy story like that is we were playing a venue in Augusta, Georgia. And, um, <laughs> the guy who booked the show, it was like an all day punk fest kind of thing. And, uh, he did the same thing. He was like, sorry, I don't have any money for you or something. And we're just like all young kids. And we're like, shit, that sucks. Like we right. paid all this money <laughs> to drive here. And, you know, he literally had, you know, probably hundreds of people come in during the day and it wasn't a cheap right. punk show. It was like 15 bucks or something. Yeah. So like, shit. So this guy from this other band, uh, that, that we knew, uh, went into the back room and, uh, exchanged some words with him. And the story I've heard is there was <laughs> some threats of bodily harm and, uh, the guy that owned this venue walked out of the back room and handed us a, a envelope stuffed with cash like it was probably it was probably the most money we made that year (laughs) all of that yeah and and that dude uh famously uh pulled a gun on the band daughters when they demanded Uh their money from them um and at the time daughters like went on the internet and were like fuck this dude fuck augusta georgia you know whatever (laughs) so so i'm glad he didn't have a gun that day yeah for real I know I've never I've had a lot of guys try to rip me a new one when you kind of flex back and like, dude, I'm not walking out of here without some dough, like and, and then they like jump down your throat. But thankfully I've never had one pull gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're out there. I hear about it all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah. So man, so uh I don't want to skip anything, but uh yeah. what sort of led to the the creation of Thousand Dollar Movie? Yeah, so I have to be in a band at all times. Um, like, <laughs> it's a physical necessity. But I started, kind of after Public Radio started drying up, I started getting a lot more, like, just hired gun bass work, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I was stoked about it just because, like, I just, just want to play. I'd rather be in a band than doing the band thing. But, like, if that could get me on the road, you know, I'll do whatever. And I had some, you know... So I was kind of just saying yes to everything. I went back to where I started, you know, in a way, and um, played, <laughs> played some really awful shows with some really awful bands and artists. But I started getting some cool stuff. and um, uh, So that was kind of becoming a full-time thing, though, was, like, touring with other cats and doing, like, studio work and mm-hmm. super grateful for it. And that's kind of like, you know, I'd say since I was probably, like, 28 or maybe 30 that's kind of been how I've been paying my bills for the most part, which I'm like very grateful for. But when I'm home, I just noticed like, I just miss being in a band so bad, you know, like Mm -hmm. you might go out with some cat and he's cool and the music's maybe just okay, but 
maybe it's a good hang, but it never feels like you're banned, you know? And, mm-hmm. and sometimes you need it to not because I had cats that like would take advantage of my just, you know, golden retriever esque personality when it comes to music. <laughs> and, you know, like I wanted to be all in with everything cause that's what I do. And then you realize like, Oh, this guy owes me like 1500 bucks and he's been ghosting me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So I realized, like, I think I need my own band, and you know, <laughs> again, and um, so I started a band with some friends called the Rainiers, and um, super alt country replacements, uh, kind of vibe, and it was a blast. Hell yeah, I'm, I'm familiar yeah. with the Rainiers. Oh, cool, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, I love it, and and so we we played a ton of shows around Carolina, and uh, did a few singles, and um, and that started kind of slowing down a little. Um, just with life happening, like a lot of the guys in the bands having kids and stuff and, you know, but I'm no kids club. So I'm like, I need a band. Me <laughs> <You know? too. laughs> and so I started the drummer for the rain years. Um, went through a few, but the proper drummer that we wrote with um, lives in Seattle and we just toured together in a few, we kind of just met with like pickup gigs, you know, and mm-hmm. just did it off. He's Jesse Proctor. He's a freaking genius. He's awesome. And, so he does a lot of like publishing and licensing stuff, you know, with like instrumental music. And I was trying to learn how to record at home more. And he's like, well, just track some stuff and send it to me. And, you know, maybe we can have a little project and pitch it. And so I, I kind of just started, I had all these riffs I've been sitting on that didn't really fit anything else. And I'd start jamming on them and I'd email it. To him. We did it all through email, you know, like mm-hmm. I'd send him the files and, he'd say you recorded this wrong and it sounds awful do it again and uh, so i was kind of learning how to use logic and all that shit and um and he would add drums maybe some piano and then he'd send it back and i'd add some guitar and um we had a couple tunes and i was so stoked on the direction and, and i think he was too but he's like i don't know if this is anything that we could like pitch i don't think it's like what anybody's really looking for uh you know, in that world. And I get it. Cause he does, he does it a good bit. So he knows. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's like, so, you know, whatever you want to do with it. And it's like, well, I want to, I think it'd be awesome to do like shows and do this as a band proper, you know? Cause like we are saying, like, I love Unwed Sailor and Godspeed and all those bands, you know, explosions in the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm a big fan of like the, the genre. And I'm like, I think this would be like really rad live. And so I got, um, just some, like Charlotte's got a really great music scene in the last few years. Like it's really, I've, I'm like the biggest fan of it. And people tell me like, it's not as, I don't know, man, it's okay. I'm like, no, you don't understand. There's so many great bands and some of them are only like 20 years old and they're blowing my mind. You know, like they've only, mm-hmm. you know, been a band for like a few months and they're like killing it. Like they're so great. I was awful when I was their age and it makes me mad <laughs> a little bit. But, <laughs> uh, but there's so many great musicians here that I've played with in some capacity. And so I'll put, you know, I just started hitting some guys up and we started jamming on the stuff me and Proctor had recorded and it was so much fun. And we kind of like stretch some parts out and maybe improv a little bit, you know, and just make a wall of noise here or there, or build up. And um, so we, we played our first show, I think in December, 2018. And I was, I don't get super nervous before I play a lot just cause you know, not like I'm super cool or anything. It's just, I do it a lot and I love it. And, um, but I was so freaking nervous because I'm like, what the hell am I doing? These it's like a bunch of bass chord songs and there's no lyrics and like I'm you know, is anyone gonna dig this? And um 
it went over like really well and i had a blast playing it and so it's become like for like my personal endeavors it's been my main project since because like i am just having a complete blast doing it and so we put out that first batch of songs i wrote with proctor um became the don't praise uh don't praise the machine mm-hmm. um, ep and um yeah, I was stoked. It's like, it was definitely one of those things like, I like this. I don't know if anyone else will. Um, you know, we'll see. And it, it, had a, it got a really good response. And the sh- lots of kids were coming to the shows, you know, pre COVID. And uh, so, yeah, it's been, that's kind of how it got cooking. And it's, it's been a blast. <laughs> Hell yeah. Did yeah. you, uh, did you work, did you record those songs too? Or did y'all end yeah, up going so, to the studio with them? Yeah. We, um, that first EP was very, um, was recorded probably like five different spots. It was very like, I'll send this to this guy and this to this guy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is like a cool little exercise. And I'm really grateful that we did it that way because I learned how to. And then once COVID hit, I've been doing that a ton for different artists. Or, you know, mm-hmm. so my man, I'm glad I learned how to do this crap. <laughs> and I, I, you know, because it's kind of what you have to do now, unfortunately. Um, but the singles since then, um, we at least did bass and drums live together, mm-hmm. which I love to do whenever possible. Cause there's just a certain grittiness you can get, you know, it feels more like a performance and you can lock in better. Yeah, You can make a great record in one instrument at a time, of course. But, um, I think when it's something you want some energy on, I don't know there's a better way to get it, you know, than yeah. having the rhythm section track together. And, um, so we either did we did some of that at my place. We um, don't make me a liar. We did it in my friend's garage, like kind of all together. Mm-hmm. But um, I do a a Charlotte record label called Four Finger Records, and um, with one of my best friends, Leo Solis, and so he is an incredible producer and has an amazing studio here. And um, so thankfully, he also plays in the band, like guitar or just mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and so, yeah, thankfully I can take advantage of our friendship and he can record stuff that sounds way too good for way too cheap. You know, Is, is that his build as Leo Spachimin? Yes. On the records? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, Dr. Spaceman. Yeah. He's in a band called Solis with him and his wife. And, um, and so I play bass with them when they play live. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're unbelievable, man. They're so great. You should definitely scope them. Um, so we started doing Four Finger Records together in like 2018 and only working with Charlotte bands and just trying to like document our little corner of the scene with our friends. And um, and it's been really awesome. So we throw a lot of like, we were throwing a lot of shows, like little Four Finger Record nights, you know, like mm-hmm. some cool things here. And it was awesome. Like kids are coming out and like people are stoked and uh you know, it's just like, like I said, I'm just a Charlotte fanboy. And so getting to do something that's like Charlotte centric is <laughs> really cool. But yeah, the bunny trail. So it's, it's all to say, I do all that stuff with Leo and um, he does a lot of the mixing and um, just has amazing gear and a great space. So I, it, it's been really cool to, you know, <laughs> he, he's, you could, I attribute to most of how good it sounds to him for sure. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> how is the label, uh, you know, what, what's kind of the, the driving force for that? Like, what's your sort of, uh, 
I don't even know how, how to ask this question. Like yeah. what, what's your sort of approach to the label, I guess. So we, we comically started it as, um, cause I was doing the Rainiers hardcore at the time and he's been doing Solis for a while with his wife and, um, in different iterations, they might play live where it's just the two of them and a ton of synths, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, or he'll have like a six piece band and it's a wall of noise. It's always awesome. Um, she's incredible vocals and lyrics and they're really beautiful songs. So he was doing that. I was doing Rainiers and we're like, we should start a fake label to help us book like shows. Cause it <laughs> might make us seem more legit. <laughs> and they were like, hey, we, we can make some merch. Let's get a cool logo. And, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of started as like, we'll just, we're me and him. We're in so many bands. <laughs> we're like the whole roster could just be our bands. It'll be hilarious. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it'll be like an inside joke maybe. <laughs> and, but then we started realizing like, you know, I've been in all these bands and I've done the DIY thing out of necessity, but also out of passion for a long time. And he's an amazing producer and has, you know, the ability to like record a band and put it out and make it sound amazing. So like we can do a label, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> we'll kind of learn what we're doing as we go. And so there's a couple bands in town that were younger that we were friends with at least a couple of guys, but we're big fans of, uh, fortune tellers one and the wilt is one. And they were both like kind of younger bands and like in the sense of, you know, they'd only played a couple shows or maybe put out a single. And we were like, Hey, you guys want to be on our label? <laughs> and they were like stoked. And so we just started doing like four finger record nights at like clubs and, you know, and I think maybe whether or not it made it seem more legit or not, I think we realized like, Oh, we could actually do something really cool in the scene here. Like, um, you know, there's a couple really great indie labels here. So we're not definitely like, I think we're the weakest gun in town, but we're still like doing our thing, you know, and, and they've been really cool. They reach out and they're like, Oh, if you guys need anything, it's awesome to have more labels and, you know, refresh records and self-aware records specifically. They're so cool. And they have like so many great bands and, you know, they're doing their thing and throwing shows and we're doing ours and we cross paths sometimes. And, um, you know, I'm a big Ian McKay fan. Like, for guys, is one of my favorite bands mm-hmm. and the whole Discord thing. And, you know, he always said Discord was like the purpose of it was to document the DC music scene. And so I think that's kind of our purpose, too. Like, you know, we're not, you know, we don't think we're the only ones doing it, but we're documenting our part of it. Or, like, or at least maybe just our friends that are putting out cool bands, you know, or, or putting out great songs. So we started doing some like cassette compilations. Um, We've done like two now. We have our first vinyl coming out. Like, I think it should come in like any day now. Um, Hell yeah. We threw a rooftop show last year, like during, like in the summer during COVID, because we we're all just antsy. Because doing shows is like our big thing. We just love, mm-hmm. you know. So taking that out of the equation, we're like, oh, well, I guess, you know, <laughs> what do we do? Um, so we threw a drive in rooftop show and it was a blast. And we recorded a song from each band. And so we're doing a little like uh, vinyl seven inch compilation with like three songs on it. It's, I'm super stoked. It's, oh, so it's that's incredible. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So we like make, we're merch nerds, you know, we like making cool hoodies and stuff too. And um, so yeah, we're kind of always scheming, but we just, we're always like, let's just do something that sounds fun to us. And it's either going to be awful and embarrassing or it's going to be a blast and we'll look like geniuses. So <laughs> like right before COVID we did a show with our entire roster 
and we had this spinning wheel with each band's name on it, mm-hmm. like <laughs> Wheel of Fortune style. And before, so we'd spin it, and whatever band it landed on would play next. And we did that. <laughs> <throughout> the- <laughs> and I'm setting up, and I'm like, this is the stupidest idea I've ever had. This has got to be a train wreck. Like, and but it ended up being like one of the coolest things I've ever done in my entire life. You know, like yeah. it was a hundred club and it was sold out. And like, you know, people that maybe would have came later to see their favorite came at the beginning because they didn't want to miss them. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was actually kind of genius. <laughs> that is <laughs> really smart. Yeah, it was so much fun. And like, I'll definitely do that again. Um, but then we did a compilation with the same idea where we'd pull a band's name out of the hat and then we'd spin the wheel and that band had to record a cover of another four finger artist's song. <laughs> and we did a compilation called the quarantine uh, sessions. I listened uh, to that. That was really good. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And so we had, you know, all country bands covering synth bands and vice versa. And it was, and all the bands killed it. It blew our minds. We thought it was another one. Like this is either, gonna be awesome or it's gonna suck <laughs> you know yeah. we just never mentioned it to anyone but it went great we got like a ton of press for it which we were stoked on because we just gave all the money to the bands because everybody's out of work so it was kind of like a let's try to help the boys out a little bit you know mm-hmm. um so yeah we we just do dumb we do dumb shit like that and sometimes it works <laughs> yeah. I, I totally understand man i, I, I don't want to talk too much about comfort monk stuff obviously mm-hmm. but we did since we were putting out some records last year and we knew that we couldn't have, you know, record release shows, uh, we paired together with one of the local breweries and they made a comfort monk beer and we had like a beer day. So it was like a beer release instead of a record release. And then we just like over the, at the bar that we did it at over the the speakers, we played all the records that we were releasing that summer and sold t-shirts and, and vinyl and stuff. So you you those cups on vinyl or were those for specific artists? So I missed that. Sorry. Uh, did you print those comps you guys did? Did you print those on vinyl or you put out a specific band? We, we didn't, um, we didn't do any of the, the comps on physical okay. stuff. We might, this third one, uh, yeah, that, that hopefully y'all be on, we might do yeah. a like super limited. It's looking now like it might be a double cassette. We might do uh-huh. just like a super limited double cassette. Um, awesome. Yeah, dude. I, we had a blast doing the tapes. Like I was shocked at how quick they sold. <laughs> you <yeah>. know, <laughs> it's definitely like, you know, it's a thing again. <laughs> yeah. Hell um, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's, that's, I'm right, ah, that's rad. You guys are doing that down there. I love it. Yeah. Our, our actually with the people covering other people associated with it, our first comp was actually a bunch of guests covering other guests from the comp which was right, kind of cool. Like I was like, that's genius. It's like, you know, same basic concept. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I love that. That's it's a, and it turned out great too. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, I checked it out cause Watts on it, you know, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I really, I enjoyed the whole thing. It's really cool. There's someone did a can't hardly wait on there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of my all time favorite songs. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. They killed it too. That was a great cover. Yeah. Our, our friend, uh, Peter Alvinos, uh, recorded that for us. He was in, he has a band called fabulous bird. Okay. And, uh, he works with, um, a lot of like elephant six stuff in, okay. in Athens. Um, cool. so he, he, he tours with like elf power and stuff like that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Just the nicest, the nicest guy. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. It's great. I really, I dug all those bands. Oh yeah. 
this will not be the first recorded episode of Comfort Monk where I talk about how nice uh, Peter Alvin is. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great, man. It's, you know, you know, reputation goes a long way. <laughs> For sure. No, I love hearing. Oh, you know, I love hearing that people are cool. Because <laughs> you, you know, you hate being like, oh man, I love all the stuff that guy does. Like, oh, dude, he's a dick. <laughs> so yeah. that's great. <laughs> I haven't really, honestly, everybody is super nice. Uh, we we haven't dealt with anybody that's been anything other than super nice. So awesome. feel pretty pretty lucky for that. Yeah, no, that's you are very fortunate because you know. I mean, I feel like most of the cats, like I don't know, like I'm surprised when people are jerks because they're definitely out there. I just assume other people do what we do, like creatively, whether it's podcasts or zines or labels. I just assume they're pretty cool, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when they're not, it's kind of shocking. Almost <laughs> like yeah. Go do something else, man. <laughs> like, yeah, we're you're not doing party. it to get rich. So. I know. You're not. <laughs> Starting a label is the funnest way to spend your money. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah, sure. like, go, go be an accountant or something, dude. Let us have fun. <laughs> Hell yeah. So uh, what is what is the band and uh, Four Fingers have planned for when hopefully all of this is at some point over? <laughs> Yeah, man. Um, I, as soon as we can go back to throwing shows that, you know, our favorite dives here, we're going to jump on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's been hard for me. Like, uh, I mean, in 2019, I did 150 shows, I think, like on the road and then more yeah. kind of the at home with my bands. And like, so it's been really hard hitting the wall and stopping, you know, for me, like financially, but also like mentally and everything else. And so it's, I'm stoked for everything we accomplished during this, but mm-hmm. you know, I'll have a week or two where it's pretty hard to be creative, you know? And, um, so we're, as soon as we can do shows again, it's like day one, like, let's go as soon as it's safe, you know, Hell yeah. so it's four finger guys. We're, we're chopping out the bit for that, but, um, you know, we got this vinyl coming out and we're going to do some more merch. Um, and Leah's band, so they're working on, um, they've done some EPs and some singles, but they're working on like a, I think it might do another EP. Um, I think it's got enough for a full length though. So we'll see. Um, oh, yeah. So that's going to come out. And then um, some of the other bands on the label, they've been working when they can, you know, everybody had to get mm-hmm. jobs <laughs> and yeah. you know, that slowed down. Um, but uh, me, the will is uh, this really great all country band on our roster. And me and Sage as a singer have been jamming on some songs like super dinosaur junior. Which, Hell yeah. Yeah, which is great, except I have long gray hair like Jay Maskus, so it's kind of <laughs> we get it, you like Dinosaur Jr. <laughs> but it's very like riffy, noisy stuff, and he's a really great singer. So we've been writing a few tunes and we're gonna track soon, which I'm really stoked about. Um and I'm sitting on a ton of t- like thousand dollar movie stuff and I'm just kinda like for a newer band it's really challenging. I'm like, do we do a big record like at once? Excuse me. I always eat really spicy food anytime I do an interview or a podcast for some reason. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I don't know why. <laughs> so I end up trying not to burp the whole time. <laughs> um, so we, you know, it's like, I feel like sometimes you can get as much attention for a three song EP as you can for a single. And when you're just trying to get your name out there, it seems like it might be as productive just to do one song at a time, you know? Mm-hmm. And maybe like after you've put out three or four, put them all together into an EP. 
so I'm sitting on a bunch of tunes I've been slowly working on and um and it's been really great like I, I think thousand dollar movie has been like therapeutically like one of my favorite projects ever like it's a really interesting way to write without lyrics or words you know mm-hmm. to depend on and not be boring or like kind of wanky and riffy. Cause I mean, then some of those bands are cool too. Don't get me wrong, but that's not what I wanted to do with it. And so every time I'm like, uh, cause we're finishing up a new one right now. And I did it with guitar, bass and drums live. And I'm kind of layering some more stuff now. And, you know, I was like, guys, if you have an idea, like if I shoot it down, it's not cause it's not good. Um, it's like, I'm really specifically chasing a gut punch in every song, you know, mm-hmm. cause we don't have lyrics. We don't have, you know, like vocals and I want it to stay interesting, but also I'm like, if it moves me in some way and like stops me in my tracks, that guitar part, like my buddy might ride or like, you know, or I keep working on bass stuff till I feel it, you know, and it mm-hmm. doesn't just be cool, you know, quote air quotes. And, um, and so it's, you know, it's I'm like, if I turn down your idea, it's not cause it's not good. It might be rad, but like, let's try to like really chase like, like a gut punch today, you know? And, we kind of just kept running stuff like, Oh, like, do that twice as long. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's so much fun. And, um, but when I sit down, when I'm like, I'm just going to sit down and try to write today and I'll just jam on stuff until like, or if I'm having like a really awful day, like, like, Oh, let me try to write. <laughs> you know? And I'll just jam on stuff until I'm like, Oh, that like made me almost like get choked up a little bit. Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that to me, you know, and I, I, I hope that doesn't sound cocky. Cause I know I'm not like reinventing the wheel, you know, but, I'm just like, if it made me feel something, I'm kind of like a raw nerve with music. I feel it pretty easily. Like, um, but I'm like, if it could make me feel something, maybe there's one other person that will, you know, and maybe the other guy will just like that. I played with, I did got cool bass tone or I use some weird effect and that's rad too, you know, but hopefully it makes somebody feel something. So I'm finished up a new one now and I got a few other kind of in the chamber and, um, just trying to figure out the next move. Like I'm going to keep just putting them out, but I would like to do a seven inch, you know, gosh, so freaking expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if I knew we could play shows right now, I'd do it without thinking about it. You know, it's just, can I move, you know, 250 <laughs> instrumental shoegaze records and not be able to play shows? <laughs> I know so, exactly what you're, where you're coming yeah. from on that. <laughs> That's the only strategy I know is, you write songs and you play shows and you, for me, I write the songs so I can play the shows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the end result. And so not being able to, I know you can do the live stream thing and I, some of my favorite bands have done it and I love it and I watch them, you know, but it's a little hard to like make it look good and sound good. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe 10 people will watch it because Pearl Jam's doing a live stream show that night, you know, <laughs> I can't compete with it any better. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I've thought a lot about that over the last year and I feel like there's certain, like people that play like acoustic guitar and sing like that's perfect for that. Absolutely. But if you play a music with a wall of noise behind you, like it's just, I mean, it's just going to be impossible. Like I don't, I don't see how it, how it's not going to, you know, be impossible to replicate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it it could still be cool, but it's not going to translate the same way. And like, I really love our show so much. They're like legit. Like I said, just one of my favorite things I've done in, my whole career because it's just like, I feel it. It's fun, but also we just have this wall of noise behind us, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, and I just have like my hair, and my face just jamming on these chords and like, you know, we'll have some songs. I'm like, just stay on this riff until I turn around and 
motion and something, you know? And so sometimes we're just feeling it and just like build up this explosion. And I love it so much, man. And I'm like, I don't care if, if this could be boring to everyone else in this club, but like, I'm getting so much out of it. <laughs> right on, man. I mean, that's, it took me a long time to realize that, but like writing the music that you want to hear totally. is honestly the most important thing. Yeah. It's like, cause it sounds weird to say like, I'm writing songs that I would want to listen to, but the opposite of that sounds even weirder. Like, why would you put out music that you, you know, wouldn't, <laughs> that you would think is weak or lame to just, you know, to make money is the reason. And I get it. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like you try to, the cats are trying to get on the radio and that whole world where how you dress is more important than how you sound to quote Randy Jackson. You, a lot of those guys are like, Oh God, this sucks, but I know it's going to sell. <laughs> so yeah. I get it. I don't, I don't give them grief for it, but that's not, that's definitely not, this band because you know i don't think the majors are out there searching for <laughs> you know <laughs> a lot of instrumental shoegaze noise rock hey man if, <laughs> if they ever do a follow-up to uh friday night lights that's true that was the peak for the genre <laughs> that was great too man I, I remember my roommate being really into that show and i was like not interested football show but the music with Explosions in the Sky was so great and it kind of made me watch the first season or two, mm-hmm. you know? Like, man, this is like, it was just so perfect. <laughs> so yeah, they, they were really great. But yeah, that was probably the biggest boom for <laughs> for, for that vibe. But yeah, so, you know, I'm on each other there, but uh, so yeah, we're just kind of, I, I don't feel like the live stream things would be to pull off the effect I'd want, so we haven't done any of those, but I'm still open to it. Like, there's mm-hmm. some venues in Charlotte that are kind of like, starting to they handle the recording and the video thing mm-hmm. and like a digital show and they sell tickets it's actually sounded pretty good so i mean just for the sake of i just miss playing you know <laughs> i kind of mm-hmm. might, might be doing one of those soon because yeah. we tried to have a single all live on the floor you know and it was feeling so good at this one point I'm like man i wish we were getting ready for a show tonight i wish this was rehearsal mm-hmm. you know <laughs> like it felt like a tease <laughs> it's like that was the good take but i want to play it <laughs> hell yeah man yeah well jeremy thanks for uh your time tonight and oh, sitting yeah, down man. and charting out some of your history for us yeah thanks man really, I appreciate really looking that. forward to uh all the stuff that you're doing with the label and yeah, the band yeah. and uh Looking forward to being able to see y'all do it live at some point. Awesome, man. In the next yeah. decade. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I, my hope goes up and down day to day, but <laughs> I really hope it's in. And yeah, I appreciate it, man. And thank you guys for doing what you're doing. You're doing, you know, really awesome stuff for the scene. And I'll let you got some of my heroes on, but you also got lo- rad local bands and smaller bands too. And it's really important, you know. So like, keep, keep doing what Charlie are doing. That freaking rules. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> This has been a Comfort Monk production.